is Punch Radio. So today in the studio, you have myself, Jody, and you got Kathy and Tony. Brennan is absent this week because he is making merry for all kinds of Christmassy things. And uh, we will hear from Craig and Hank remotely in a little bit. But to kick things off, we're going to talk about The Watchmen, which is the kind of classic graphic novel. It's one of those epic books that broke through the the bestseller charts and and really put graphic novels on the map as far as having any credibility and now it is a tv show which i have not seen the the tv show but i do love the book so tony okay what do you want to say about this well you know the Watchmen is one of my favorite books uh written by alan moore dave gibson's gibbons sorry does the uh art and it was a book that came out in 1986 now, in 1986, when this book came out, I was actually going to my local comic store, and I was buying tons of comics, but I passed this one by. Mm. Um, it was one of those books that came out. It was very orange, very purple, and it had really no... Uh, I, I had no reason to read something that wasn't Superman and Spider-Man. To me, they were different characters. So what, what happened was, it wasn't so much later that the trade paperback was given to me to read, and of course, I fell in love with it. And that was about 15 or so years ago. Um, and I fell in love with it. It is one of my favorite reads. Uh, it never disappoints the amount of times I've read it and bought it. We'll contest to that. But I really don't know much about it. I've always, like, I've always, you know, enjoyed it, but I didn't know much about it. So I looked to a few things. Um, if you haven't read The Watchmen before, it is a book based uh, kind of on a, uh, a different um, sense of 1985 America when Richard Nixon is still a president and uh, Dr. Manhattan, the only real superhero with superpowers, uh, wins Vietnam for the Americans. And Richard Nixon just keeps going on and on and on. He gets re-voted every, every year, every election. And uh, so things are kind of a bit different. And they're superheroes. But these superheroes are not the superheroes that you would normally see. They're not Superman. They're actually based on, um, a little bit based on the old Carlton um, characters that came out. Uh, before that, and DC had actually bought those characters, but they decided to use different characters that were like them. So it's kind of parody, sort of, in, in a way. In, in a way, yeah, in, in the sense that it is definitely, uh, it's similar to your superhero. You still have your superhero, but everyone is very flawed. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like anti-superhero superheroes, like who watches the Watchmen, like the, the superheroes are not to be trusted. Yeah. basically it's not as bad as the boys but it is definitely uh <laughs> the, the boys okay is good it's just harsh harsh well the superheroes and the boys are bad people these these are not bad people they really do care uh but they're a little uh they're a little flawed in their character and none of them have superpowers a lot of people are like oh the watchmen they're all very strong they're they're no. good athletes and they beat each other up but dr manhattan is the only superpower in that group and he is the whole thing is kind of a detective story, and they're using uh, Dr. Manhattan against um, himself by saying that he's causing cancer for people, so he goes to Mars, and uh, it's all basically a detective story to find out who killed the comedian. Hmm. Yeah. I really like it, and, and I think what makes it great is that it holds up to rereading. Like, I have reread this book many times, and each time I read it, I get something new out of it. Um, like, the first time I read through, because there's that, like, other comic that's within the comic. Yeah. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't really like this. I'm just going to skim read this and get through it. But then 
when you read it the next time, you're like, okay, wait, no, this is like actually an allegory for what's going on in the main story. Yeah, yeah. and it's you really, it's really important, really important that you read yeah. both. Yeah. And um, it goes on so many different levels, and it is a commentary on comics yeah. as an industry and superheroes as an industry. And I think that it's it's even more relevant now in in that we're living in a time where like the box office is pretty much like being kept alive by these like huge like Marvel monster movies that happen every summer right yeah. and that's kind of like the world that the Watchmen is is a little bit satirical of right mm-hmm. and, and so when you reread it now even though this came out like years and years ago it's still super relevant to everything yes, is. that is happening today yeah I, I agree though I also did not read the little uh, the little treasure island one that was happening between and then you read it at the same time and it is it makes it a great book so and now, it, it's actually important in the TV show too like they the the little thing in the middle there they they reference that a few times in the TV show and I think that's why I like the TV show because it it re-relevates the Watchmen to now it does. Cool. I haven't seen the show and I'm really looking forward to it, but I, I want to like binge it when it's done. Like I don't want to go week to week because I just I can't handle that. So something that I found out today that I didn't know is on HBO.com. Um, I don't know if it's on HBO Canada or Crave or whatever that site is in Canada, but on HBO.com, if you watch the TV show, um, go to HBO.com and read the PDpedia. So Dave PD who's the an agent or whatever uh, against the superheroes. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So he has his uh, little documents that he posts on HBO.com every week, and they're like memos uh, regarding superheroes and stuff like that. He's, he's kind of the, the Watchmen Wikipedia. Oh, wow. And he posts things. That's... Is, so are these things that... Uh... Like, is he like a regular person or is he a character in the book or in the movie, in the TV show? He's a character in, He's the, in TV the TV show. He's in the TV show. So, yeah. So, it's almost like Rorschach's journal where you're reading Rorschach's journal and you're getting insight through right. this journal. Yeah. yeah. So. But in the TV show. But in the TV show. So, meta cinematic. It's that a lot of cool, levels. Yeah. It is. Like, uh, I need to rewatch the TV show because as I was reading the PDPedia stuff, I was like, what? Now I have to go back and look at it all. Like, um, I quite like the TV show. I won't. I, I I find it rather exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing it every week. Uh, I do want to see it once I've started. I want to see what the next episode is. Um, there are some strange things going on there that are relevant to the story, the original Watchmen book, but at the same time, they've really changed the narrative as to what you're watching for the better. For some things, and some things just are, are strange. Um, but I try to not give any spoilers. I don't want any spoilers. <laughs> like no, talking I'm, around I'm not trying to. But now, yeah. okay, what did you think of the, like there were some prequel and sequel stuff that came out for Watchmen called Before Watchmen that came out about, I don't know, what, seven, eight years ago, somewhere yeah. along there. Did you read any of that? Okay, so I didn't. Uh, Alan Moore, actually, when the movie came out, the movie which has nothing to do with the TV show or is just a horrible rendition of the actual um, the book itself has changed. They change it for, for the movie. Um, Alan Moore was like, I want nothing to do with this anymore. Take my name off it. So the only thing that will have his name on is the actual original 
graphic novel will be the only thing. So when that happened, I kind of looked at the Before Watchmen stuff, and for whatever reason, I felt like because he was like against it, I was like, no, I'm just not interested. So I did not read it. Okay, I had that initial same response. I was like, if he is not in, if he doesn't endorse this, I am not in. But then I was like, well, but I really like it. I want more. So then, <laughs> so I did. I bought in 100%. I bought all the comics. I read all the comics. And each of the different series were written and illustrated by different people. So they took every single character of the Watchmen and they had their own comic. So Silk Spectre had her own thing. Uh, Comedian had his own thing. Night Owl had his own. And Osmondias had his own thing. Um, and so depending on who was behind the, the writing of it, some were really good. Yep. Some were like... I don't know. It just sort of felt like a cash grab. It sort of felt like, oh, we'll throw in some pop culture references so that you know that it's the 60s because comedians partying with uh, Kennedy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh. it felt cheap. But then some of them were actually really well done and I thought they, they gave more scope to some of the characters. So, yeah, I would still read them. Read yeah. them um, and, and it'll give you, again, a, a larger appreciation of that whole world that they've built. Yeah. Um, but nothing compares to the original Watchmen book. And, like, the movie was a train wreck. And I think only because, like, you can't fit this book into, like, your regular two-hour, yeah. two-and-a-half-hour movie like it just doesn't fit like a tv format is so much better suited because you can fit in all those little things and plant those little eggs here There's and there lots of planting yeah. in this the movie had no squid there was no giant squid <laughs> yeah. no it wasn't yeah. that was like they changed the ending and i was like this is not the same thing i think if you had never read the watchman didn't know anything about it went to the movie theater you'd be entertained but if you have anything, you know, if any background with the Watchmen, then you would have been disappointed like I was. But holy moly, like some of the, the actual props were really good. A lot of the costumes look really good. They really did a good job on, on like the production of it, but just wasn't a good movie. So, okay. It, in the TV show, they have um, like, we're talking about Easter eggs. They have little um, exact replicas of things like um, newspapers in the background that were actually in the comic and stuff like that. They do a good job. They it's do good a really show. good job. It's a really good show. Good production go. value goes a long way. Read the book, though. Read the book first. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. nothing compares. Nothing yeah. compares. No, you'll be confused if you don't read the book first. You'll be confused. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay, well, we're going to turn things over to uh, Hank and Craig for a little bit. Um, they are going to spend the next 10 minutes talking about milk. And then they're going to talk about um, this really cool book that's actually um, delves into the idea of 1999 being the best year for film ever. So take it away, boys. Thanks, guys. Craig Siliphant and uh, Hank here. You can follow us on social media at Craig Siliphant and at Hank and Kelso. Uh, so what's, uh, what's hot? What's hip? What's happening? Um, have you uh, ever drank uh, the milk? You drink milk? You into milk products? You eat cheese? I eat cheese. I don't, I mean, I have a bowl of cereal no. once in a while. I don't, don't drink a lot. I mean, I did when I was a kid, but not, not when really. You, uh, when you have things with dairy products in it, can you taste whether the animal, like the cow, was happy when you were eating that cheese? Could you tell? Nope. Did you know that cows will produce better milk when they're happy? And they're not all anxious and stuff. How do I know that? Because I just read this insane article that in Russia, they went with some vets and some other consultants and stuff and made virtual reality headsets for cows (laughs) to increase their milk production and make the milk better. 
and I thought it was a joke, but after doing some more internet research, it's for real. So you're thinking gaming, you're thinking all this cool stuff, and it's like, no, they're putting it on cows. So the ministry in Russia rationalizes um, that studies have shown that cows' environmental conditions can impact the milk produced, specifically improving its quality and increasing its quantity. So a team of developers, with the help of some vets and consultants, made some oversized VR glasses for cows. They adapted the human versions to account for cows' different head shapes and eyesight. And then, boom, cow VR glasses. I have... I have a lot of questions. <laughs> My first question they answered was the cows look at a wild, expansive field beneath the summer sun. Well, that does and sound like something picture. a cow would like. A cow wearing some, yeah. Right? It's a crazy robot cow. So it's unclear so far if they've helped milk production, but uh, further study is going to be needed, really. But a first test did reveal a decrease in anxiety and an increase in the positive emotional mood okay. of the herd. So we're not talking just one cow. They put it on a bunch of cows. Right. So my first question, I'm sure that you have some others, is how do they find out? Um, do they ask the cow, like, how how are you? How do you feel about that? Like, how, how do they figure out that the cow's anxiety is going down? Like, how do you know? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you, maybe you could assume from, you know, if you were a cow expert or, vet, you know, some kind maybe. of veterinarian or something. Spend like a maybe lot of time with the cows. You know, I mean, you have a, I don't know if you have any animals. Do you have a dog or a cat or something? Oh, we've got, had a dog or a cat? I've got crabs and a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you could tell if that hamster was like, you know, if there was a uh, kid true, banging yeah. on the cage or something. Oh, you yeah. could tell if that hamster was. Yeah, she's been a little worked up before, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's something, I'm mean, just guessing here. Uh, now, I have obviously heard of. You know, that's the, you know, the fanciest of steaks, uh, you know, being a bit of a foodie mm-hmm. that, you know, they'll something like Kobe beef, they'll massage the cow they'll and pipe in nice music, music and, like and everything. And oh, yeah. But I, you never know, know if I mean, I don't know specifically, like if it does that actually work or is it just marketing? You know what I mean? Now, my question is like how and maybe they haven't quite gone this far yet, but how do you test that? the Like what what makes for quality of milk? Right. That's better. There are so many uh, questions quantity, here. sure. But, like, you know, how, how do we know the milk is better? Because every time, like, I drink milk all the time, but I have yet to, from one carton to the next, yeah, yeah. been able to go, ah, uh, this cow was a little little upset this day. It just wasn't wasn't a happy cow milk. No. And I uh, could probably go from, like, uh, skim milk to, like, 3.25% mm-hmm. homogenized. Like, I wouldn't probably... Like this Clock is, the this difference. is a whole. This is so. This has opened up a whole realm because I'm all into like VR for video games, but now I'm like it's for the cows. Have they tried uh, piping in some more disturbing images for the cows to see uh, <laughs> if the cows get freaked out? Does the milk get worse? Maybe. Do they hold it in more? Less milk? We should. We should find zombie out. attack. Like if you in don't the field. produce good milk, this is what's going to happen to you. And then show them some VR stuff in there. That yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's good. I don't know. These are so many questions. I just I I read that and then I was like, oh my god, because we talk about pop culture. They're doing VR for cows. VR for cows. So have you done? Have you played a lot of VR? Um, I have played um, some VR, and we did it for uh, for Punch oh, TV right. that, we one did it that one time when I when I we? fell off a building and <laughs> thought I was going to die. Right. Um, and then Tony's all like, "Ooh, I can go out there; it's not a big deal." And then when he starts walking out there, you can see the urine just streaming down yeah, his pants. That leg was there. freaky. Like, that, yes, uh, oh my god! Uh, oh. To, to describe it for listeners, there is a a plank on the floor of wood, basically, that you we had to step on, and then they put the VR glasses on us, and we are like 
70 stories in the you air. You go up the elevator so you can see the floors going up. Yeah, you can see up. the You're floors like, okay. going up. And then you feel like, like or the I think under your feet is a beam mm-hmm. similar like it matches the wood that you're on basically and you'd be surprised like cool. you know just go jump off the end and, and people none of it. us would do I it like, i think jody was on. the only one yeah. that did it it's like no big deal i'll jump off she had her eyes closed the whole time yeah we also did another one where it was like uh, a zombie attack i remember and it was, it was for attack. punch tv yeah. but but uh and but I have you ever tried the, any of uh, the like like the, the playstation console uh, i did anything? the uh is it the oculus rift or something uh, right. mike from sask expo uh has it and so i tried a, a weird zombie one i did a roller coaster um where the tracks kind of disappear and now you're like think you're gonna die like, right yeah, that one was a little intense oh, too. i that can't was, even like oh. my stomach uh, i if i drive down the ramp at midtown too fast in the underground parking <laughs> i'm like Whoa. but even playing uh spider-man on the PS4, mm-hmm. like if I did one of those like jumps off a tall building, uh, it's a little much. Like I, I would feel it in my stomach, uh, butterflies. But, but what about if you were just sitting at home on your sofa, looking at a field under the sun? Don't you think you'd be relaxed? Yeah, I mean, maybe I would choose other things than a field, but uh, yeah, just but look I at get all that it. grass out there you can munch on, oh, especially in the winter for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll have to munch on it's some all grass. About the cows. Oh. Um, so what I was going to talk about this week yeah, let's was, do, uh, yeah, I'm done. Let's go. Uh, are you done? Yeah, are I'm you finished? Done. Okay. You know, I think you've been reading something. This I week. have been I need reading to hear something. Yeah. So I've been reading a book called, uh, best movie year ever. How 99, how 1999 blew up the big screen by Ra- Brian Rafferty. No, Raff, Raftery. 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 Uh, and so it's, a. Uh, it's it's a it's a I'm not finished it yet, but it's it's not like a in, super intense long read or anything. But if you remember, 1999 was indeed one of the like best years in memory for movies since the 70s, probably mm-hmm. at least uh, especially in American film. Uh, and so the book takes a look at uh, a lot of these different movies, everything from like you know American Beauty, Run Lola Run, Fight Club, Election. You know, there was just a that, like that was a very significant year for movies for me. I was already into movies and stuff. In fact, I worked at a video store in 1999, and I had for years. But when that year happened, like there was movies like Magnolia and stuff like that that took me to like another level of being, you know, a, a movie nerd basically. So it's really interesting. A lot of these movies I haven't seen in a while. Uh, so it's really interesting to read this book and not only revisit what those movies were, but even some of the stories behind them that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. There was a great story. A lot of it takes place in the shadow of Y2K, obviously. Well, that's uh, why they had to release all the movies because they're like, well, we're going to be yeah. here next year, so yeah. put the movie out. But there's yeah. a great story about uh, how they were wrapping Fight Club, and it was like David Fincher and Brad Pitt and a bunch of producers and stuff went to this island to celebrate uh, New Year's Eve. And they uh, they had this producer that was a real prankster on set the whole time. And so Fincher set it up that these gorillas with, like, machine guns uh, showed up to this compound that they were staying at and were like, oh, this guy's under arrest or whatever. And so, you know, the guy's white as a sheet and they're, they're taking him away. And Fincher's like, I'll go with him. I'll go with him just to make sure, like, you know, they're like, you guys can't do this. We're Americans. You know, like all the thing. And Brad Pitt's acting the heck out of it. And then it turned out it was like a prank on the guy that and, was And the for prankster. those of you listening, we're not talking apes. Okay, we're talking no, like gorilla other fighters. kind of gorillas. Yeah, okay. yeah. so uh, just those kinds of great anecdotes. And it has made me revisit... Uh, a few of the movies I watched over the weekend, I watched Three Kings and Election. Election, I love that movie. Which I, I was never a movie I really liked that much, but I definitely, uh, I got a lot more out of it now. I mean, I, I was, you know, in my 20s, I think, the first one I saw it. 
Uh, whereas something like Three Kings, I've seen that movie throughout the years a bit more. But uh, Election was great, and Three Kings, man, it, like I was surprised even at how well that movie held up. So uh, I think this will be a year, which is interesting because it's obviously we're closing out 2019 here. So uh, like there's this is the 20th anniversary of all those movies. So uh, it's been interesting to watch that stuff. Does it um, go into why uh, the studios decided to release them all? In that year, I think it was just that all, they're going to be competing against themselves for the awards. And I think it was just like it's a lot of fluke, really. But it's just what the state of the industry was mm-hmm. at the time and what was going on in movies and and uh, a lot of the independent like the rise of Miramax had sort of just happened. And so they were uh, or was still really happening. So there was a lot of push towards a lot of these independent stories where right now that stuff's gone. All everything right now is franchise filmmaking. You want to make a universe and Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Marvel, all that stuff. And so this other stuff happens on the fringes, whereas like in that year uh, so many good movies. Yeah, it was like people were looking for because they wanted those hits that were something like, well, Blair Witch is one of the biggest mm-hmm. examples in the book where it cost them like a couple Nothing. of hundred thousand dollars yeah. to make and then it made 150 uh, million like, you know, in its first couple of weeks of rollout. And so they were constantly looking for stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff I remember even from those years that like would not be good or did not do what they'd hoped it would do or, you know, uh, because I used to watch all that stuff back then. So. So we're uh, going to keep you updated on some Cal VR. Um, I'm going to keep doing some research to answer the questions yes. that we have. And uh, I'm going to go read this book. Everybody else is going to go read this book and then uh, check out a bunch of movies from 99. We're going to do it. Okay, so back movies. to you guys. Thanks, fellas. All right, so something to think about. Some very good movies from that year, for sure. I'll have to watch some of them this weekend. Sounds good. I like the fact they have their own little ending thing. We should have an ending thing after ours. Like, <laughs> yeah. When I'm, done. I'm talking, it should be like, bam. Yeah, some shock jock radio effects. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think we're above that. Shock jock. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe we'll, we'll throw those in. Okay, we actually have time to talk about comics for a change. Wow. I know, I always promise it, and then we never have enough time. So today I want to talk about a couple of things that came out. Um, the first one is Philadelphia, and this is written by Rodney Barnes, and it's illustrated by Jason Sean Alexander. And um, it's getting a lot of buzz. Like the reviews on, on the back of the comic, it's reviewed by Chris Rock, Jordan Peele, and Brian K. Vaughn. All like glowing reviews. And like those, those are people with credibility that are like making good product. Um, it's a crime thriller. It's also a horror book. And essentially it's the story of this guy who's like a cop. And his daddy also happens to be a cop. And his dad's working on this case and um, he is killed. And so he has to go to his like funeral and kind of wants to get some closure and get some starts to investigate the the case that his dad was working on. And it's like tied into like a lot of American history and possibly something to do with the yellow fever. And maybe it's reanimating people. There's Mm. yeah. Um, there's quite a lot in this book. Um, and it's really an interesting um, setup. Like the panels, it's really dark. Uh, it's It uses some photography, I think. It's a uh, rotoscoping or something like that along with the, the artwork. Um, so it's really gritty looking. But there's parts where he's like reading his dad's diary. So that's got like a different uh, font to it. And, it's, and so there's all these different 
narratives, I guess, kind of going on at the same time. So it can be a little bit muddy, but I think if you really just take the time to look at it, you'll understand what's going on. And as far as like an introductory uh, issue, I mean, there is a lot going on here. Um, it gives a lot of food for thought. And I think that this could be a really awesome, awesome series. So this is, uh, it's Philadelphia Sins of the Father, part one. And uh, all day long, Jeff was singing like, Philadelphia Freedom. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. So you can all, thank Jeff for the earworm that you now long. have. All day long. <laughs> all right. The other one that I want to talk about briefly is um, Sandman Universe. So uh, this is the new reboot of the John Constantine Hellblazer. Um, and of course, he's part of that universe. Um, I, I, I didn't love this. I like the character of John Constantine. Um, I didn't so much like the movie with our boy Keanu. Did you ever see the movie? I did. The yes. What yeah. was your take on that? Um, I, you know what? I thought it was just uh, the usual acting style <laughs> of uh, Keanu. Keanu acting <laughs> style, where he does his little shaky sometimes. Oh, what? Like that's what? what? <laughs> okay, my, my theory, and I've said this many times before, is that Keanu is awesome if he can show up to work in his own clothes. So if he doesn't have to wear a costume, really, if he doesn't have to do an accent or anything like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is excellent. Parenthood, yeah. excellent. Point Break, excellent. Like the guy ha can do what needs to be done if he can just show up to work in his own clothes. Yeah. <laughs> as soon yeah. as you... Just act like yourself. Yes, yeah, exactly. so like... Constantine, he had to put on a jacket, you know, and Matrix, he had to put on a jacket. True. Oh, I see. I right? See. So he has to <laughs> no put something jackets. on, and then, yeah, just leave the jackets at home and it you're good to gets, go. He just gets a little shaken up by the coat. Yeah, there's the something, coats. the coats yeah. upset him. I anyway. I like that with shoes sometimes, uh, if the shoes are weird. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I do love Keanu, yeah. though, um, but that one was a bit of a stinker. And he had, uh, back to John Constantine, I mean, he, he has had different writers on him. And from time to time, it's good. And from time to time, it's very bad. And this new one is written by Simon Spurrier. And the art is by Aaron Campbell. Colors are by Jordi Belair, who does colors for like every single comic. I really don't know how that is possible. Um, but I found it really muddy. Um, like, you know, you want it to be dark. You want it to be shady. You're talking about a guy who he's hell blazer. You know, it's supposed to be dark and shady. And he's dealing with dark forces. Um, but at times it was like difficult to kind of follow along what is going on. Basically there's like these bad angels that are like killing people in the park and, uh, John gets asked to kind of go check it out, I guess. And he does. And he sees like, oh yeah, it's like angels ripping people apart and like, oh, how come they're not like stripping off their skin this time? That's different. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I didn't love it, I, I got to say. But, I, you know, I might give it another shot. I might pick up issue number two because it is, like, it is well done. And he's a compelling character. He's the best part of, like, Justice League Dark and all that. So um, I think I'll give it a shot. I imagine when the, you're, I was thinking about the darkness <laughs> of the, the look of the book and you just imagine how the, when the artist, the, the, the penciler is penciling these things, it's all white paper and he pencils these things, and then all of a sudden he gets his work back, and it's the inker has just actually just inked up everything in dark, because that's kind of what this one looks like. It looks like the inker had like a heyday, yeah, and went pretty crazy with uh, with the inking, um, and the the backgrounds are nice, but it's still very uh, a lot too much ink. 
And actually, sure. there's a lot of color. Like, I mean, it is Jordi Belair, but it has a really different palette. Like, a lot of it is, like, dark reds or, dark, or sort of mustardy yellows that really, yeah. like, just wash everything out and make it look dirty. Um, so, yeah, I have to say that the color in this comic is very well done. Yeah. Um, and it does give it a mood that, you know, another uh, colorist might not have been able to achieve. So, way to go, Jordy. Keep doing the good work. Cool. Okay. So that's the two comics that I kind of was struck by the most this week. Um, and then the other thing that was on my radar very quickly before we wrap up was The Irishman. The Irishman. Okay, so it came on in theater last weekend, and I was sick as a dog. You can still hear it in my voice, but I could not get out to the theater. And last night, or pardon me, the night before, uh, Wednesday night, was the launch on N-Film, which is Netflix, um, of Martin Scorsese's brand new movie the irishman so only in the theater like a week and now on netflix and it's a long movie like it's three and a half plus hours so it was nice to be able to like press pause and go to the bathroom and get snacks and stuff like that um so i really appreciated that aspect of it and it's good i mean it is it is epic Scorsese all the great characters are there all our favorites it is mobster it's kind of the story of how the mob is involved with jimmy hoffa and it's on your Netflix, people, so just go and check it out. Nice. Good yeah. to know. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of Punch Radio. Uh, 